I have two guns, one for each of you. Hey, Ramblers, let's get rambling. What is your major malfunction, Nut? That's my motto. That and everybody Wang Chung tonight. Yeah, David. Welcome to Costco. I love you. I'd like to keep this handy. Close encounters. I heard that. That's two points, Father Pat. It is two points. Hey, where are the white women at? Pack it in, Frank, you silly bastard! Hello, and welcome to our show, Real Selections, with Griff and Mike. I am Griff, and with me, probably until the end of time, is going to be my cinematic life mate, Mike. How are you doing, sir? I'm excellent, sir. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, so this is the first episode of this ever. Um, you'll probably have guessed that because it says episode one, and you've also never heard of it before. So pretty safe guess. You think nobody's ever heard of it? I would say unless they're ultra creepy, then no, they definitely haven't heard of us. And if they have heard of us, why? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But we're going to spend the next couple of minutes here before we get into the uh, topic of the show. We're going to talk to you guys about um, kind of ourselves and why we feel, you know, we have some delusional idea that we think that we might be qualified to talk about movies. And it doesn't really come from a professional standpoint necessarily. No, we we're just, definitely not professionals. No, nah, like we don't even work anywhere near or adjacent to the movie business whatsoever or media for that matter. I have acted in bit parts in short films, so that definitely doesn't count. Oh, cool. So if you're just going to flop that metaphorical wang on the table, that's nice. So, uh, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. <laughs> nobody else does either. So that's why nobody knows about it. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we're just really big fans. Uh, we're a couple of guys that just really loves movies, probably have seen, I don't there's not a number. I couldn't quantify the amount of films I've seen into a number. I can say that probably one of my earliest memories is going to the movies with my folks. Um, I'll never forget being young enough to see, have seen uh, Jurassic Park in theaters. I saw Waterworld in theaters. Wow. Yeah. It, considering nobody saw that in no, theaters. That's one of the biggest bombs ever. I know. But I remember it. You were one of those people. I was. I was. No, I was the child yeah, you were, <laughs> of two you, of those people. You were the only one that saw it in theaters. So, uh, yeah. And ever since then, um, I grew up an only child. I had one of those TV VCR combos for uh, our younger audience. There was a device that um, would play video cassette tapes uh, called VHS. And they would slide into this. You had to make sure they were fully rewound first. And then you could watch the movie. Uh, I did that a lot. Occasionally people would invest in a machine that did the rewinding for you. So you could move on to watching another movie. Uh, those were called rich people. Yeah, that wasn't us. <laughs> Either of us. I feel confident saying that. Yeah, I. although I can say I never owned a Laserdisc. I never did either. I've only seen one movie on a Laserdisc ever. They're they're like LPs, but but silver. Yeah, they're just giant CDs. Yeah, and it's it's off putting the first time you see one. And you have to like change sides. I don't know what they were thinking when that was a when that was a thing. Yeah, I don't know. Either. Imagine how many discs Titanic would have been on. All of them, <laughs> or Pearl Harbor. 
I think that movie actually came out on two DVDs. Yeah, there it weren't was... too many of the movies that came out on multiple DVDs. That was one of them. Uh, Gangs of New York was another one. It was really? just bizarre. It's a super long film, though. Yeah, it is. I think the reason, though, that Pearl Harbor plays is because if you watch that, it almost distinctly feels like two separate films. It really does, and that's neither one of them is very good. That's debatable. Okay. I, I like I like Pearl Harbor. I'm sorry. I like me some Ben Affleck. So. Okay, that's fun. Anyway. You're entitled to being wrong. Oh, see, that's where we've you're already, wrong. We've already gotten sidetracked here. We have. We have. So uh, what, what about your, uh, your film experience history? Well, I am a little, just slightly older than you. So I did grow up in the era of VHS. But just like you, I, uh, I had two working parents growing up. And most of the time was just me hanging out with my little brother. So we watched a lot of movies, either on network television uh, oftentimes setting a vcr which yes we did have the ability mm-hmm. at one point in time vhs players were called vcrs and they had clocks in them that you could program if you could figure out the instructions to record movies on in the middle of the night this is my... way before bit torrenting by the way this was the original form of piracy yeah it was recording off a of network <clears throat> television my brother and i possessed this magic <laughs> and saw many a film that no one else had seen. And because of this, we were the weird kids in school that had always seen the movies nobody had ever heard of. As I got older and got a job and stuff, uh, I would go by video stores locally on my way home after work on, say, a Friday or a Saturday. And when they had specials going on, I would rent multiple movies and we would watch them over the course. I don't have any idea how many movies I've seen in my life. And I'm definitely not an expert. I'm just a guy that likes movies a lot. I think that's fair to say for both of us. So for anybody listening, we are not experts. No, not at all. We're and just, we'll never claim to be. No. We are just really fanatical movie fans. Well, it's the primary source of <clears throat> entertainment I've had over the course of my life. Some people go crazy for music. Some people go crazy for making paintings. I've never had any of those talents, but I do like watching movies a lot. Mostly because we're lazy, too. Yeah, that's really important. Like, when anybody says, did you read the book? I'm like, the movie was just fine. <laughs> the movie was dope. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all seen Jurassic Park? I didn't read it. I was more than happy with the with just the film adaptation. I don't need to read the book. But that's neither here nor there. So, <clears throat> I, th- I think it's fair to say that, yeah, we're both... We're both just really big fans, and like you said, we've seen a lot of movies that a lot of people haven't seen. Now, that's not coming from like this like hipster place. We just, we just don't. We watch more than just a few movies. I think it would be fair to say that a lot of people slept on a lot of movies. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad. It just means, and especially as you meet people who maybe aren't in your age range, you start to notice having seen a lot of movies, there's a lot that people just missed. Mm-hmm. Oh, myself included. There's a lot of films from mostly before my time uh, and a few like in my teenage years where they were just, they were too old for me um, where I wasn't, I hadn't reached that level of maturity where, I mean, without sounding like, you know, pretentious or something like I didn't have that appreciation for that level of cinema. You know, I was still happy, you know, watching my, you know, Disney Channel original movies. <laughs> or your teen 
angst films. Yeah, I watch a lot of teen movies. I'll be honest. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of good ones. There's a lot of bad ones, but so yeah, there was a lot of films that I missed. I, you know, at some point we'll end up doing some cinematic confessions, but um, I, I never, I still haven't seen The Godfather. Any of them? It's on my list, <laughs> and uh, you know, handfuls. I like. Apocalypse Now, or I mean, it took me a long time to even watch Casablanca, just because I just never got around to it. And it, and it's hard too, because as these films get older, they become harder and harder to get a hold of. At the same time, uh, there's a lot of older films, more popular older films that you can get a hold of either through Netflix or Amazon, Vudu, Hulu. Any streaming service typically is going to have the the more famous or more infamous films. Hulu is especially good for that because they have a deal with the Criterion Collection, have a lot of classic movies on there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's a, definitely a good resource to watch older movies. So that being said, the whole purpose of this show and where we hope to take it for the immediate future, and we've, we've got a handful of plans, but, but one of the main focuses is that we want to try and highlight films that, again, like Mike, what you were saying, that people slept on and they passed up. It came out. They didn't, you know, they didn't see it when it came out. And then once it's gone, a lot of these movies they don't have, they don't have that staying power. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not built to stand the test of time the way that uh, a Caddyshack or uh, Ghostbusters is, or... Or Jaws is one of my favorite examples. That movie doesn't date itself at all. Right. And yeah, it can hold up and you can watch it anytime. Back to the Future, great example of a movie that um, it's become this big center, you know, tentpole of pop culture. It really has, yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, it will continue to exist forever as long as it maintains some sense of relevancy just in pop culture and in cinema, and it, I believe it will always will. It's just it's one of those tentpole movies that I think will always continue to live on. I definitely think so, too. <clears throat> now, the movie that we're going to talk about today is one that came out in 1999? Yeah, it actually came out on Christmas in 1999. I didn't see it in theaters. I watched it on VHS after it came out the following year. Same here. Um, back to that whole kind of... Uh, VHS DVD thing before we get to this movie there was another thing that really propelled me into watching a lot of movies that nobody ever heard of but they I saw them a ton and that was premium television HBO Cinemax Showtime stars because they would pick the same 50 movies and they would run them into the ground for an entire month and at any given time, you knew that you were going to see one of these 50 films for a month. And it was just constantly on. You mean like when a, when a, a middle-class family gets a free preview weekend for Showtime or HBO? Oh, yeah. You know mom is going to be recording a lot of movies off of HBO. Oh, yeah. I think this is uh, a feeling that nearly any middle-class family is going to be very intimately familiar with. I was definitely like that. My mom is still like that. She just has a DVR now instead of a VHS. Right. So one of those films, as a matter of fact, you mentioned watching this on VHS. I watched this on HBO probably more than I saw it anywhere else. And that movie's Galaxy Quest. And for a synopsis of people that haven't actually seen the movie, just a quick one, is 
this is a poor man's Star Trek biopic. Basically, you have this cast of characters who used to be on a television show that is basically what Star Trek was back in the 70s. It, it It's literally Star Trek, just with a different cast, an ensemble cast, I might add. Absolutely. And um, so now years have gone by, the show has been off the air, and they're going to these conventions. And funny enough... This movie was really ahead of its time. It was because it's ex- it's extremely meta because it's a movie within a movie about a TV show within the movie. Right. And the way that the characters who were characters on a show are dealing with the fact that they're pop culture celebrity. There were icons. Is They were much like, say, William Shatner was when Star Trek was actually a thing because Star Trek was popular when it was on the air mm-hmm. and then it went away. Right. And then he continued to try to find relevancy through other show TJ Hooker or any of his uh, film career. Um, yeah, it was just one of those things where he was always defined by Captain Kirk. Right. And Leonard Nimoy is always going to be Spock. Right. And much like the characters in the movie, William Shatner found that he got diminishing results on his convention appearances over time. Mm -hmm. And basically that's what this film centers around is them now, again, years removed from the television show. And they're doing these convention circuits. And this was really before the uh, the zeitgeist of comic book culture and Comic-Con became what it is now. Well, definitely. Where... Comic-Con is a convention for pop culture things now and has little to nothing to do with actual comic books. Right. This was before that. This is when conventions were for the hardcore fans only. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is in 1999, which isn't that long ago, but it shows you how much things have changed since then. It's funny to think this film's almost 20 years old. It really is. I don't like thinking about it. (laughs) So, as a film is 20 years old, let's talk about this cast real quick. There's a lot of these actors who, let's... Let's be perfectly honest, are not relevant anymore. I, uh, out of everyone in the cast, I would say that Sam Rockwell is the one who is still consistently. I I would call him the heaviest hitter in the cast, although he may not have been at that time. He has done the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Not unique. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh... Uh, the uh, the variety I don't know he he eccentric? has eccentric well he is eccentric he is an eccentric man yes uh but as his film roles are concerned he's done the most different types of roles that is true I mean you had Moon you had Matchstick Men you had this which is actually one of my favorite roles of his he's even proved that he can play the villain I'll be a goofy one with mm-hmm. Iron Man too he was good in it Confessions of a Dangerous Mind yeah. Seven Psychopaths Charlie's Angels. He's a he's a very he's a very talented man. The way way guy. back was another one, but so yeah, um, he was not even anywhere near top build when this film no, came out. He was out. a nobody. He's literally uh, fans of Star Trek may be familiar with the the joke red shirt. Right. He is that character. He is a former uh, actor who is now run like an MC for one of these conventions. Just because he was in a episode, he was in an ep- episode of the show. Where episode eighty seven was. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Uh, where he died, and he's basically a no one when he was in this movie, and he's sort of treated as such. He's a comedy relief character in the film. The plucky comic relief. The plucky, plucky comic relief, that's right. Uh, but the real heavy hitters, especially at the time this movie came out, were the two 
well, I guess three main characters, really. Mm-hmm. And Tim Allen is the main character, Sigourney Weaver, and Alan Rickman. R.I.P. As a, yeah, as the main cast. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fantastic, by the way. They're all good. Sigourney Weaver is very attractive in this movie. Blonde. Yeah, she's blonde and plays a, a sex appeal character, which is bizarre for her because she's... Especially if you remember her from Alien... Not what you no, would consider a, a sex symbol. No, she's a in any right very strong character in nearly every film that she's in. Right, uh, she's always a a very forward character. And this movie is a completely different role for her because she's supposed to be like a sex symbol. Honestly, the only other film that I can think of that has a mild exception would be Ghostbusters because she was the love interest. Yeah, that's true. She is the love interest in Ghostbusters. But again, she wasn't overly sexualized in that film. No, she's just an average New York working Until Gozer possessed her body and uh, was demanding the the key master. So, So we've got Alan Rickman, who is a classically trained... British thespian. Thank you. I was going to say thespian. You're welcome. Thank you. Look at us sounding professional, even though we're not. We're, no, we're, we're certainly we're not. not. Um, yeah, so we have a classically trained actor, and you know Tim Allen, comedian. Uh, honest, one of the biggest shows in the '90s, Home Improvement. I don't even remember how many seasons that ran, but that was one of those shows. To, to be honest with you, I want to say like ten seasons, man. It was on forever, and it was on syndication even longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't it? It might still be syndicated. For I don't know. It, yeah, it's still syndicated. Was it one of those TGIF shows uh, with like it, Home Improvement and Growing it may, Pains? Boy it very well may have been, uh, or it may have been like a Tuesday night show, which would have been even bigger, right? Because in in the nineties, Tuesday night was the night for television, and and you can't meet. There's nobody I know over the age of 25 who doesn't know what about tool time. No, no. And of course, uh, and uh, like uh, uh. that movie took Jonathan Taylor, or that movie, that show took Jonathan Taylor Thomas and literally made him the most popular boy in the United States until he had to retire from public life and go back to school because he couldn't handle the stardom anymore. He didn't want anything to do with it. Hey, That's how big this show was. <clears throat> right. So Tim Allen was a mega star. Mm-hmm when galaxy quest was made and came out and for your younger folks he's also the voice of buzz lightyear yeah he is also great voice cast in toy story yes that's a that's that's a story for another time but yeah it is uh so anyway uh other than that we had uh there was a handful of other people that hadn't made it big yet who were going to tony shalhoub um monk was a show pretty popular was on usa in the Early, early to mid 2000s yeah. but he hadn't hit yet uh, Tony Shalhoub um, I pointed out earlier and Griff had forgotten about this while we were taking some notes down was that Rain Wilson had one of his first roles in this film and I mean one of his first even before House of a Thousand Corpses mm-hmm. yes that's Rain Wilson in House of a Thousand Corpses it's also Chris Hardwick when he was fat yeah well and it's it's funny too because this is another game that I used to always love playing um Watching an older film from a time that's slightly relevant to your own, so maybe like 5, 10, 15 years and old. Like your preteen, like before you're a teenager. Right, and then go back and watch these films and go, holy, I didn't, never realize that, you know, so-and-so was in this movie. Great example, Sam Rockwell. He's one of the Foot Clan members 
in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think you're right. Yeah, he is. I just randomly watched that movie one day, and I'm like, why the hell is Sam Rockwell in this movie? One of his first roles. It was really weird. Well, speaking of first roles, there's a big one in this movie. Absolutely. One of my favorite actors of all time. I think a lot of people would say he's one of their favorites because he's always so great. doesn't matter if it's a main role or a bit role. And some of the best cameos in film. D- hands down. Hands Zach down. and Miri, come on. Yeah. Even Old Dogs, I showed you that clip the other day. Yes, you did, and that about killed me. Um, he loves working with Kevin Smith. But that person is none other than... Justin Long. This was actually Justin Long's first movie, which I found out taking notes to talk about this. I didn't realize... Uh, well, I guess now it, it was... Yeah, it was certainly before Jeepers Creepers. Yeah, Jeepers Creepers was in, I want to say, 2002. Yeah, it was like two or three, I think. Yeah, and then Jeepers Creepers 2 came out in 2003. So it, it was probably 2001. Gotcha. Um, which I think is kind of what put him on the map. Right. Was, was Jeepers Creepers? Well, even though... Because he was the star in the movie. Yeah. Um, no, well, he was nobody, and he was a baby in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he was, like, maybe 18. Honestly, I think his breakout role was accepted, because that was his first leading role. That was his first, like, main role within a big film. And the movie before that that I remember him being in was Dodgeball. And, and in that, he was just the, uh, well, the he plucky just, comic yeah, relief. A side character. A lot of physical comedy getting hit with Dodgeballs right. and stuff like that, but... No, so, in this movie, he's basically playing the person who's watching the movie or that would be watching reruns of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. He's just a kid who's obsessed with a TV show, which, come to think of it, isn't that dissimilar from us right. having a podcast where we're talking about movies. And he's great. I wouldn't have believed it was his first movie Mm-mm. if I hadn't just found this out. Well, and it's funny, too, because you look at it and you go, oh, maybe he was just that young, nervous kid. But that's who the character yeah, was. he's supposed to be nervous and... Completely awkward. awkward and can't talk to anyone besides his friends. His interactions with Tim Allen in the movie, he comes comes off as someone who is genuinely starstruck and afraid mm-hmm. to talk. Yeah, it's, you know, um, we won't we won't necessarily spoil anything about the film necessarily, but they have a couple of different interactions, and one of them being not so favorable, and the not other one all. being uh, more of a mutual uh, relationship that they start to build upon. And uh, yeah, they they have that interaction where it was just like. Oh well, you know, because I meant to ask you about. And it's like, okay, oh, now's not the time because we need help. But yeah, the uh, the how did this plot hole in this random episode that you're not even going to know which episode I'm talking about talk? Right. Uh, so now that we've kind of ran down some of the cast, <clears throat> and here's the thing: for future episodes, you guys can let us know. Um, you know, tweet at us, uh, message the show any way you can. Let us know because the reason that we go over the cast is in my philosophy you can sell a movie to somebody just by telling them who's in it that's very true a lot of times you can say oh it has such and such and such. you don't even have to tell them the plot and they'll go i like all those people i should probably check this movie out because i've enjoyed other things that they did so if you guys agree with that or disagree with that let us know and uh you know we'll try to maybe alter some of the content content accordingly so that it's not as, you know, boring or, you know, didactic or however you guys feel about it. But so once we've kind of since we've kind of touched on the cast here, let's talk about what makes this movie great. I think, at least for me, and if you disagree, you can tell me. I think what makes this movie great is a combination of the fact that one, it's genuinely hilarious. Like mm-hmm. the dialogue in the movie 
is great and it does alternate it it kind of switches gears in the in the final third of the movie from being like very haha to the characters realize there is a dire situation that they're going to have to resolve and jokes aren't going to get it aren't going to take care of that and the humor kind of ceases for a little while a little bit there's there's moments in those comic relief characters like uh when they bring the rock monster into the into the space true room. true which is it's mostly tony shalhoub and sam rockwell everyone else gets pretty grim pretty fast let's for just one moment but that work that works for me too it does i want to talk about those two characters for just a moment so tony shalhoub's character is funny because he's straight but overly so like the dude is insanely chill nothing phases this guy even though all this crazy stuff is happening they're in space interacting with aliens and other planets he has one moment where he's like a little bit nervous but other than that he's completely cool and just i don't know like he just reminds me of that kind of like that old stoner uncle that just kind of hung out and did his thing he is he is remarkably calm through almost unnervingly calm through pretty much the entire movie. All except there's, the digitizer. Yeah, there's one scene. Yeah, and that's because the entire pressure of, of that is life, life, life or death scenario. Yeah. is on him. Right, not everyone else. It's just him, and he only cracks a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then he zips it up and he gets and in. And he's there. like, Nah, all right, I got this. After brief, the briefest of hesitation, but other otherwise. A lot of the humor does come from him as the straight man. In fact, I don't want to sound pretentious, but the way he and Sam Rockwell interact a lot, it kind of reminds me of like grumpy old men Mm. to a certain extent in that one character is outlandishly over-emotional and the other is just completely deadpan and and relaxed Mm -hmm. most of the time. And that's how they derive their... uh, That's that's actually that's how jack lemon and walter Matthau derived a lot of their humor in the all of the buddy movies that they did mm-hmm. and i i think that's kind of what they were going for at least that's what it reminds me of sure well and then sam rockwell his character was so over the top with his emotion that he was he was constantly scared because he was the only person that apparently grasped the the degree of the life and death situation and i think that's also very self-referential to the character as well because he was more self-aware than any of the other characters in the cast you would almost swear that he knew that he was in a movie or that he was the only one aware that like he seemed to be the most aware of his humanity he he's sort of he's sort of the source of the the meta humor for the movie that someone mm-hmm. watching the movie gets is like oh this guy's me in the movie right and i realize i said that about justin long but that's the the focal point of the humor. It's he, knowing that you're he in almost a, knows he's a character in the movie, right? And that he could die at any moment, and he acts as such because he doesn't know how to handle <laughs> being a character in that movie. Is there air? You don't know. Yeah, he There's, he does a lot of the one liners in the movie. He does yeah, have some of the best ones. Yeah, he's, even even if you don't even watch the movie, I mean, it, it sucks because you won't get all the context for it. But I think somebody's made like a supercut of all the Sam Rockwell moments from. Uh, galaxy quest and i virtually guarantee it yeah and there's a video of it on youtube i'm pretty sure you can find that so anyway so back to what makes the movie so great so <clears throat> you were saying that besides the humor and the fact that it does it does genuinely pull off like a sci-fi drama plot well at the end of the movie mm-hmm. is how meta it is it's very self-aware well, of and, what it is and it's extremely different it is and uh, 
a lot less now with we've got movies like Deadpool coming out that sure. are, are intimately aware of what they are and that's right. like that's the character. At this time, not so much. This was 1999. And again, we already kind of touched on that earlier. A lot of the concepts here are kind of ahead of their time. This is before convention culture became a thing. The only movie I can think of that was like this, where it's it's aware of itself, was like Scream. Yeah, it's that it was, was it. it was a There's, horror movie about horror movies. Yeah, there weren't movies like this at that time. There were no. like ah, you get it. We're deliberately celebrating all these tropes by springing those tropes on people that are already trained to expect these tropes, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it funny, and it works. Well, and this movie had a really great twist on that, not in a spoilery sense, but if you watch any of the trailers for the film, you'll you'll totally understand what the concept of the film is, is that the this alien race has basically intercepted the television show, the Star Trek-esque show that these actors were on. There, there's but, an episode of Futurama that's a very similar premise, but that was even later. Mm-hmm. This beat them to the punch. Right. And so these aliens believe that the television show is, quote-unquote, historical documents of the, the, the life and testimony of the crew uh, of this, this spaceship. Um, and they think every bit of it really happened, that they're genuinely legendary heroes from all over the galaxy. Right. And that all these invent- adventures are true and happened. So much so that they've modeled their entire lives after it. They've built weapons. They've built ships. They've built devices. All stuff that was based fictionally on a television show. As far as concepts are concerned, that's kind of a high concept. It, I mean, it is. Like, there's a, an inert substance that they use as fuel for the ship that makes no sense. A, a the beryllium, beryllium sphere. sphere. Yeah. An engine that runs off of basically a rock. Yeah, one that doesn't exist yet somehow exists. Right. They went out and they somehow found something that didn't exist and made an engine that runs a starship off of it because mm-hmm. they thought this show was real. Right. And they took it very seriously. And it's hilarious. It is. But it's also super sad at the same time. And I think that's one of the things that makes the movie great. So we talk about it being a really funny comedy. But it's also this – it's not really dark necessarily. It can get a little dark. There's a couple of moments that there are, yeah. that it is – it feels – when you re- Especially when you realize that there actually are stakes for these characters in the film. Exactly. So this alien race, it's not fake to them. They don't understand that. And that's difficult. So when you start seeing that through this more uh, objective lens and not just going, oh, yeah, the movie's really funny. It is really funny. But I think what makes the movie in the – so endearing is on a deeper level these the the characters in the film who are just playing these actors are they're asked to be put into this situation in which you know they're relying on them to save their entire race from this you know evil tyrant and it becomes real that's the moment it becomes real lives are at stake and it's not just meaningless lives it's an entire civilization of people that are, you know, wiped out and eradicated and are on the verge of, you know, extinction by this genocidal maniac, Ceres, who's driving around the galaxy, you know, wiping them out. And that's, again, that's kind of some high concept stuff of, you know, on a deeper level, uh, 
this comedy movie exists, you know, on top of this much more structured storyline underneath it. Yeah, it's a concept I talk to people about pretty frequently about how there's another very interesting film buried within the movie that you're watching. And this one, it's a big deal because yeah, there's like wacky shenanigans going on. Tim Allen, like trying to use a soda can as a weapon at one point. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, ah, ha ha. It's you guys get it. You're star Trek fans, but these aliens, the friendly aliens in the movie are very deadpan and very unemotional because they don't know what emotions are. Right. And they speak in a very monotone voice and they make it very clear early on they don't know what a lie is. Right. And it sounds like, well, that's not a big of a deal because every single one of us, anyone listening to this, Griff and I both, everyone has known what a lie is since we were little. But that's a concept you it's, you get in you get inundated with that concept. Well, it's alien to them. And I don't mean that as a pun. They don't know how to handle it. And right. there's like genuine minute moments of heartbreak in the film mm-hmm. when some of the characters understand that their entire lives are based around a concept that's not what they believed it to be. And right. whether or not up until that point, like how the aliens come off and not works for you is debatable. But there's no questioning. Like when you see a person not feigning heartbreak, mm-hmm. but pulling it off on film. This movie does that. Right. And that's that's in, like impeccable acting to me. Well, and that brings up to a very interesting uh, narrative asp- aspect is the, the juxtaposition between the way that the convention fans are treated at the beginning of the film. And, you know, Tim Allen's character is incredibly, you know, he's frustrated, he's upset, he's over it. And he he blows off these fans who just wanted a moment of his time because they're just big fans of the show. And, you know, he, he comes off with the, that line. It, it, it's fake, guys. It's not real. Yeah. Quit treating it like it's this real thing. And then juxtapose that to this alien race that it's all they know to be real. And then it becomes this thing of there's a little bit, I believe, there's a little bit of a social commentary there of going – Things are as real as you want them to be, um, but it's you kind of have to be careful. You know, you have to pick and choose. You know, the things that you choose to, I don't know, just to, go it, face first into to really in, in invest your time into, like be it a hobby or just like movies, which we are passionate about. Extremely, yeah. You you have to be selective about it because mm-hmm. sometimes it can betray you if you're not careful. Right. And so not only are the aliens having to deal with that, so the the fans in the beginning were too, and the aliens could arguably be called the ultimate fans of this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like when Justin Long and his friends find out that the captain of the ship on their favorite show of all time is kind of a jerk in real life. It's heartbreaking. Well, yeah, they're crushed. I can relate to that. Have you ever met... Uh, a member of a band that you really, really loved at the time, and the band has ruined you for you forever. Sure, just when because you find of one out bad that they're jerks, yeah. Because maybe the guy was tired or having a bad day, and you don't know any of that. But this time, you get to see what that's like on someone else. Exactly, and that forms a lot of the plot of the movie. Well, and I think that also too that you know that reinvigorated the uh, the actress from the show uh, because they got to see this firsthand account of 
how important their roles were as actors. They took it all for granted for a long period of time, and and rightfully so. I mean, it, anybody true. gets jaded, you know, of something that is just you know you're inundated with it day in and day out, and it becomes old, it becomes you know tired, and then they realize that. You know, it got tired to their fans because they knew it was fake. And their fan, you're fans of something. You know when it's not real, obviously, but you're interested in it. And you take that interest maybe a little bit too far and you're super fanatical about it and you're really hardcore. And, you know, sometimes the people involved in that project don't really care about it nearly as much as you. And it's tough, especially when you watch a show or, or a movie and you've seen a lot of it, you become intimately connected with those characters on a level where you feel like they're a part of your life. In a way, they are. Right. And they are. And so it's a, it's a really interesting journey to watch the actors kind of go through that and, and see that, you know, to some people, I mean, obviously to these aliens, it was real. And I they mean, truly do matter. Right, because they have that blissful ignorance of a child. It reminds me a lot of like Forrest Gump. How he didn't understand a lot of more high concept things, which again, you know, he wasn't uh, fully mentally retarded, but he was just very slow and he didn't understand some of that high right. level critical thinking, and which you know brought a lot of humor and and stuff in that film. This this is similar though, except that the characters are aware of what's going on, and you get to follow them as they have to deal with the emotional repercussions. Mm-hmm. Well, they even mentioned Gilligan's Island, uh, one scene in the film, and. Uh, and Sigourney Weaver's character asked one of the Thermians, "Is like you don't think Gilligan's Island was real?" And all the Thermians, they just bring it down, and they just like they were having a moment of silence, and like those poor, those poor people. people, yeah. And they think that they are still trapped on that island. They don't. Yeah. They don't know that they got off because we don't know how long it took them to get the signal for the show. Exactly. And so that that's the moment when it becomes absolutely clear that, oh, we're in this now. This is something we're going to have to deal with. And it does. It, it makes for a very interesting movie. Um, a lot of really cool character development. Again, we've talked about a, a lot of great uh, humorous parts, acting, superb. And honestly, it being 1999, I don't know what anybody who's listening, their, their expectations of what special effects are in 1999. They're pretty decent as far as I'm concerned. We just watched the trailer a few minutes ago, and there's a giant CGI rock monster. Yeah. It looks perfectly fine. And yeah, the effects in this film really hold up. A lot of them are practical, which I'm very big on. The oh, CGI yeah, yeah. monster is really the only actual CGI construct in the movie. The miners. Yeah, that's true. Right. Uh but, but uh, it's Saris, the main bad guy, that was all prosthetics. It's all practical effects on Robin Sachs. He mm-hmm. was a physical actor on the set. Um, and all of his henchmen, um, yeah, all of it was makeup and costumes and prosthetics. And the pig lizard, practical effect as yep. well. Was a puppet. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm I'm a, I'm very big on practical effects. I I'm, I'm usually very critical of CGI because it doesn't age well. The rock monster looks fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's probably one of the most noteworthy things. I think that's one of the things people tend to remember about this movie is Tim Allen trying to find a giant rock monster and screaming that it's a rock and doesn't have any vulnerable spots. Yes. It, man, that rock monster. I like that it makes a couple of uh, cameos later in the movie. Yeah, it, it just it keeps on ticking, man. <laughs> How do you uh, kill a giant rock monster? I you don't. don't. Yeah, you, you, you really don't. So... Um, let's see. We talked about the 
like the actors, the story. I don't know. Is there anything else about this movie that you? Well, I feel like we could go into a lot of the technical aspects about shot composition and camera work. And to me, there's a lot of fun I'm, shots in the movie. It, there is, and it it. It, it's a pretty movie. There's a lot of shots of the galaxy and the, the locations that they're at. It's very good. But we're not here to bore you with technical details. We're here to tell you what makes this movie great. And I personally don't tend to care about these things so much as the, pro- as the, the product as a whole works. And I think all the different parts of this movie work together to click very well and form this meta joke of a movie that's a drama wrapped in in a comedy and it works so well mm-hmm. and when people tell me they haven't seen this movie and this movie did do pretty well when it came out i think it i think it did like 90 million worldwide hmm. but then it went away yeah it certainly it just did, disappeared yeah it didn't it didn't stand the cultural test of time no it was like it was in theaters for a couple of months and then it just disappeared yeah and and this is one of those movies you've probably seen it uh browsing uh, your TV guide or your your satellite guide, um, not the actual book, the TV guide, but the guide on your television. Right. Uh, scanning through channels, probably on like a weekend or something, like on uh, USA Sci-Fi. I think they show it on Sci-Fi. I guarantee you, TBS. You've, se- you've seen it in your popular on Netflix and just skipped over it a million times. I will say, if you've seen it on Netflix, the uh, the cover art from this movie can be a little deceiving because yeah, it don't... doesn't. It doesn't look like it's. It looks it's not campy. Co- it's not the cover from the actual movie. That no, it looks like a very C-list sci-fi film. Like if you look at the cover, you're like, "Why the hell was Tim Allen in a space movie?" Like, man, he must have been in some dire straits. When did this thing come out? And you're like, at the peak of his career. This is immediately. Uh, it may have actually been before Home Improvement ended. I don't know. I would have to look that up. Yeah, we'd have. But hey, we're that. we're here to talk about movies, not his TV career. So but, I don't know when Home Improvement ended. I am sorry. But we're also not opposed to doing a Tim Allen episode. We'll bring up the Shaggy Dog if anybody wants. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Please nobody bring up the Shaggy Dog. Why not? Then we could talk about Nine Lives, that Kevin Spacey cat movie that just came out. <laughs> I, would, that's... I would say I'd leave, but I live here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, we're coming up. Yeah, we're a little over a uh, little 40 minutes, so... Um, I think if we talk about one film for any longer than that, people should probably turn this off. Well, so. you know, people have limited time, and guys, we want to respect that. We'd love if you give us your time to talk to you about what makes a movie great, or maybe even what makes it bad, but bad in an awesome way. Right. Or why I will see any movie that Dave Batista or The Rock are in. I don't even care anymore. That's because your inner 10-year-old just loves that idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I need to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2, man. It's real good. I liked it. It was really good. But we want to respect your time, too. So Absolutely. We won't, we'll try our hardest to never overstay our welcome. Uh, and, of course, this being our first episode, a little long-winded in the intro. So hopefully we'll try to keep it a little short and sweet uh, every week. Um, I think that's going to pretty much wrap it up. So very positive uh, on this movie. If you haven't ever seen Galaxy Quest highly recommend it um you i know we mentioned star trek a lot uh, talking about this film i being somebody who never watched the original star trek series now, i never i never saw it yeah but i have um i've seen the the star trek reboots the the jj abrams reboot series uh that came out starting in 2009 those are really good 
Uh, I do recommend seeing those uh, if you haven't. But again, if you have just a very small, uh, um, man, what's the word I'm looking for? Re- not recognize knowledge. I don't know. If <laughs> use your use your big words. I don't. I don't have any big words. Uh, I can't think right now. Um, but if you have just any idea of you know, kind of what Star Trek was and how big of a deal it was back in the day, and you don't even really have to get any of the references. I don't. Again, like having not seen any of the Star Trek shows, like I, as far as the referential material is concerned, it's not too heavy on a lot of that stuff. Again, no, it, because it's not straight. They're not taking it straight from any particular source material. No, not at all. It's all very vague generalizations about shows of that that ilk. Right. We were both Star Wars fans growing up. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't discover Star Trek at all. Uh, other than occasionally watching Voyager, and that's just because I thought the girls on it were hot when I was a teenager. Because course i did fair enough uh we were star trek kids or star wars fans growing up Mm -hmm. i didn't really get into star trek at all until the jj abrams reboots came Mm -hmm. out which are great movies right so you don't have to you don't have to be into those to enjoy this movie it's it's pretty decent metafiction yeah and you don't Uh, even necessarily have to be that big of like a sci-fi nerd because it's also just a solid comedy yeah i i kind of don't even necessarily consider this a sci-fi movie even though technically it is it's a it's a solid comedy in a sci-fi setting sure yeah uh yeah i mean i think that's pretty much gonna wrap it up for that so if uh you get a chance to watch galaxy quest it's very easy to check out. It is currently on Netflix instant streaming. Okay. I don't need to tell you about that. And uh, <laughs> I did look into it before we actually did this episode, and it is also very affordable on Amazon. I think like $9 to get a Blu-ray copy. It's even cheaper for the DVD, so it's really easy to get a hold of. Well, you heard it here. Griffin, Mike, we encourage you to spend money if you can. Well, you should spend money on your hobbies, you guys. Absolutely. So if, if you're looking for some good movies, uh, check out Galaxy Quest. Hopefully you won't be too disappointed. Uh, at the same time, I hope we didn't hype it up too much. Um, I think other than that, yeah, go check out the film, guys. Let okay. us know what you think. Absolutely. You should let us know what you think of the movie, even if you didn't like it. We want to know why, because you're entitled to your opinion, and we would love to converse with anyone about movies all the time. Absolutely. We want your feedback on the films. We want your feedback on the show. So if you have anything that you'd like to give us some feedback at, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, what's that handle? That's going to be Real Selections, at Real Selections, R-E-E-L Selections, on Twitter. You yeah. can also follow us individually, but I will say, just like the show, our Twitter is going to be PG rated if you choose to engage uh, us directly on on Twitter. Our personal accounts, those can tend to be R rated, so do that at your own discretion. But feel free to get a hold of us on the actual Twitter handle. And we've also got an email address if anyone wants to email at us. That's uh, realselections at gmail Absolutely. So yeah, give us your feedback. Let us know what you think, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week with another movie. See you later. Bye. <laughs>